Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, my name's Tim, and uh, it's good to be with you uh, this morning. We're in a sermon series uh, called The Q, where Jesus asks a series of questions in the Gospels. I always thought Jesus was the answer man. I've heard people say that, but he really asks more questions than he gives answers. And we've been looking at several of those questions in this series. And um, again, it's just good to be with you. And today I want to look at a few questions that Jesus asked a crowd in the middle of his very first sermon. We find, this, find these questions, we find five of them, particularly in uh, Matthew chapter 6. And let's, you can read with me if you like in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV uh, version of the Bible. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers in the field grow? They do not labor or spin. For I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how you're... Uh, how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown in the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans are after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When you read the, the Gospels, you find Jesus' address. He, he addresses all kinds of emotions. He addresses things like sadness, happiness, anger, uh, grief, fear. But his longest discourse is on the emotion of worry. And I want you to know this morning, I don't know what you're going through, uh, I know that you're probably worried about something. If you're like me, uh, we all do. Uh, Jesus does not want you to worry. Let me say that again. Jesus does not want you to worry. I mean, did you notice how many times he said, don't worry? He said it three times in, in just these 11 verses. He says, don't worry. And he keeps coming back to this idea, don't worry, don't worry. And he gives us all kinds of reasons. Why? Why is that so important? It's because worry can be unlearned. We learn to worry. I was, I'm reading a book called Jesus is the Question. And, he, and uh, the author quotes a fellow by the name of Dr. Lewis Thomas. And I decided to go find that quote. Well, here's the whole quote. Here's the whole thing, everything that uh, Dr. Lewis says. Says we are perhaps uniquely among the world's, uh, the earth's creatures, the worrying animal. We worry away our lives, fearing the future, discontent with the present, unable to take on, in the idea of dying, unable to sit still. And I thought to myself, man, 2020 sure is describing the culture today. This culture of worry. Um, I mean, think about it. Am I right? I mean, we're worrying right now things like financial worries, our job, our health, obviously. Social and political issues have taken basically over the media, and they're keeping that in front of us. 
And even we can, and what used to be an exciting time in the fall to send our kids to school, uh, we're now afraid. Are our kids going to be safe? And we're worried. Will the well? Will I be safe as a teacher? Will my child bring home a, a virus from school? Um, and I, and I think it's just interesting is that we have, we have there's m m much more, many more things we, we worry, probably worry about as well. But G and Jesus knows that simply saying, don't worry about it, it's all of a sudden it's going to make our capacity to worry go away. It doesn't magically work that way. He knows that. I mean, how many times have you had somebody say to you, you shouldn't worry about that or stop worrying about that. And you're saying, well, yeah, it's easy to say. That's easy for you to say. And it's funny how we always think, Another person's worries are silly, but ours are serious, you know. And so Jesus knows that just simply saying, don't worry about it, is not going to work with us. And so he offers some help. He offers some encouragement in this passage. And he offers us, offers us some ideas, some things we can think about, some questions we can answer um, when we experience moments of anxiety. He does this through questions. Now, they're not just any kind of question. Uh, these happen to be what, what most would call rhetorical questions. Now, you might say, well, what's a rhetorical question? I mean, what's the purpose of a rhetorical question? Well, a rhetorical, first of all, a rhetorical question does not expect an answer. No, it, a rhetorical question is about making a dramatic point. And so Jesus uses this line of questioning and, the, and these questions to help us understand and help us overcome uh, our worries, our tendency to worry. So what I want to do now is spend the next few minutes here looking at the five rhetorical questions Jesus asks whenever we experience worry and how they can help us. Let's look at question number one. First, the first question, obviously, is, is this. Is worry productive? I mean, really, is it good? Does it really make a difference? And look what he says here in verse 27. He says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Now, we know the obvious answer. That's the thing about rhetorical questions. They, they make the, ans the answers obvious. And what is the obvious answer? Well, no, it doesn't. So what's he saying with this question? He's saying when you worry, it's unhelpful. It's a waste of your time. It, it can't, worry can't change your past. It sure can't control your future. And all it does basically is ruin today. And it, it worry is unreasonable. It's not only just unhelpful, it's unreasonable. I read this uh, this week. A woman who had lived long enough to have learned some important truths about, about life remarked, I've had a lot of trouble, and most of them, which never happened. You know, 92%, some folks say 92% of the things we worry about, we worry about really never happen. And that's what worry does. It, it exaggerates. It distorts things. Uh, and it just makes mountains out of molehills when you stop and think about it. I mean, how many times have you started worrying about something and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger? Jesus ran into this with a woman by the name of Martha and she worked herself up into a, just a frenzy because she was worried about why her sister wasn't helping her and her sister Mary was listening to Jesus. Here's what Jesus said at the Bible records here in Luke 10. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. What is he saying to Martha? He's Martha. You're getting all worked up. You're worried about the wrong things. You know, Mary's chosen what's better. 
you're, you're, you're getting caught up in your worries and you're getting caught up in anxiety and it's just messing with you. And, you're, and because it's messing with you so much, you're missing the real opportunities in life. And isn't that, isn't that what worry does? I mean, it, it's, it's unhelpful, it's unreasonable, and it's unhealthy. I, I, just look up worry and its connection. You Google it and you see it's all the different ailments that, and how it physically, how anxiety affects our bodies, our emotions, our mental capacity. What's interesting is that about the word worry I found was is that it's related to, the root of it is related to words like strangle and choke. Uh, Jesus used that, used worry and illustrated it that way when he talked about the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils. And he talks about this farmer going out and sowing uh, seed in uh, hard soil and then rocky soil and then thorny soil and then good soil. And as he gets done with the parable, he then begins to explain to his disciples the meaning of that parable. And when he gets to the thorny soil, here's what he says here in Matthew 13, 22. The seed planted along the thorn bushes is another person who hears the word and knows what it says. But the worries of life and the deceitful pleasures of riches choke the word so that it cannot produce anything. And that's exactly what worry does. It just chokes. It grabs us by the throat. And it chokes our faith. It chokes, it strangles and suffocates our trust. It, 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 it chokes and strangles your hope, your happiness. Even your purpose gets all tangled and messed up and distorted. Even to the point of, he says it doesn't produce anything. The word, the word of God, I can't hear truth. I can't hear reason. Because worry just distorts my ability to hear anything and it can't produce anything. And so it impedes my, listen, it impedes my maturity. How I grow as a person. And so Jesus is saying, so look, if, if, you, if you start to worry, whenever you do, when you start, not if, when you start to worry, he says, just ask a simple question. Is this really productive to worry? Now the next the next point I'm going to make is from two questions. And I put them, I've combined them with this, this question. Jesus, Jesus asks, is life about more than things? I mean, is life about more than, than stuff? Look how he says it. This is in verses 25 through 26. Is not life, look at this, is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes? He's saying, think about that. Is there more to life than eating? And what's the answer? Of course. Is there more to the body than just clothing? Of course. And then he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or stow away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he says this next question, are you not much more valuable than they? You know, it's, I, I find comfort in this passage, but I got to tell you, I find some challenge because I think Jesus is confronting our faith in this, in this part of the sermon. And he's confronting specifically, where is my primary focus when I'm worried? Because when I, my primary focus is on something I'm worried about, I will overlook something else. You see, worry is like... Um, 
like taking a picture uh, with your iPhone in the portrait mode. Uh, this weekend, I was with my uh, past week, early this week, I was with my grandkids and we went down to Johnson shut-in. And while we were down there, I'm taking pictures of, of some of them. And I, I, know I discovered this portrait mode. And I noticed when I flipped my iPhone to portrait mode, the subject that I was wanting to take a picture of is crystal clear, but the background's kind of fuzzy. It's like, this is the main thing. And see, I have to think in how worry is much like that. We focus on something so strong and we see it, we think so clearly, but there's so much more to see, but we can't really see it. It's kind of blurry. It's kind of hazy. It's like wearing blinders when you stop and think about it. I lost my billfold this week. Just after I got had a meeting with Gary and Alan, I, I go, I do some things around the shop and then I, I'm going to go get my hair cut. And I go get my hair cut at JCPenney and uh, Doreen Bechtel cut my hair. I like it. And um, I get done, I, I reach back to pay and my billfold's not there. Where's my billfold? I know I had it. And so I retrace my steps. I search my truck five times. You know, Doreen and two other women there at JCPenney said, Tim, you know, uh, you didn't get out your billfold. Are you sure? I know I got out my billfold. No, you didn't. Remember, Denise paid for your haircut already. Are you sure? I know I got my billfold. Guys, I know I did that. And I, I go back and forth. I search. I look everywhere. I cannot find it. And, you know, you can judge me later. One of the problems with this is that in my billfold, I carried my Social Security card, which is a big no-no. I've carried it ever since I've had a billfold. And so I call up Denise, my wife, and I said, listen, I lost my billfold. He goes, well, oh boy. Well, you know, maybe you ought to, are you sure you, you, you yeah, I'm sure of it. Are you really sure? Yeah, I'm really sure. I, I lost it. You may have misplaced it. You know, you've misplaced it before and found it 24 hours later. No, no, no. I've lost it this time. So now we have to go call our credit card people because I had two credit cards in it. I call the Alton Police Department. And a nice fellow call, uh, answers the phone. He says, what can I do for you, Mr. Gill, or sir? And I said, well, I'm Tim Gill, and blah, blah, blah. I live here, blah, blah, blah. Okay, can you describe the billfold? I describe it. What's in it? I said, well, there's a couple of credit cards. There's a, a bunch of cash, my driver's license, my social security card. He goes, are you kidding me? I oh, no. And then I kind of went, and I got a Mr. Donut card. It's, all the holes are punched. I've got a free cup of coffee. And he, talk, he stops, and he goes, Mr. Gill, if we find that billfold, I'm... I'm quite sure you're not going to find that Mr. Donut card in that billfold. And he starts laughing. And he gets me to laughing about it. And as I hang up the phone, it, I realize something. He's trying to say to me, you know, your life is more than your wallet. I'm focused on this wallet, man. I'm focused on, well, I get, and I'm thinking, oh, somebody could steal my identity. Somebody could get into my, all my accounts. They could get into my bank. They could get into my charge cards. I'm going to have all these problems. And I'm, and I'm online getting another driver's license, trying to get another social security card. I'm, I'm call, I called Equifax. I'm telling them we've got it set up. They're all doing a worldwide search of my number. I mean, it's, it's, gone, it's gone crazy. 24 hours of crazies. I found my billfold. Less than 24 hours. Denise and I have had an argument. I've gotten, gotten upset with her. All for nothing. I go back to J.C. Penney. I tell him what's going on. I said, I found my billfold. You know, we tried to tell you, Tim, 
he didn't use your billfold. But see, this is what worry does. It makes you not, you can't hear. You can't see. You're not listening to reason. I look at my security cameras at the shop. Get this. I look at my security cameras and I'm walking by. I freeze it and there's nothing in my back pocket before I left. And I still think I took it with me. That's what worry does. It distorts. It messes with you. But I, what I really notice about it is <clears throat> it makes you focus on something so much you can't see anything else. And Jesus here in this passage is saying, look, I need to give you some perspective. When you're worrying, you're focused too much on one thing. You worry on food. You think that life is all about food. It's more than about food. See that? It's your body is more than about clothes. Life is much more than that. And then he says, I want you to look at something else. Oh, what, Jesus? I know you're worried. Yeah, I am. Here's what I want you to look at. I want you to look at some birds. What? I want you to look at some birds. I ain't got time to look at birds, man. I, I'm, this has gone crazy. Don't you understand? I'm worried about this. Stop. Let's take your eyes just a minute off of what you're worried about and look at the birds. What do you notice about them? I want you to notice. Here's what I want you to notice. When you look at something else, you look at what's going on, you have a bigger picture. You see I'm involved. You see I take care of the birds and I'll take care of you. And aren't you more valuable to me than a bird? I mean, I want you to see that, Tim. I want you to see I'm involved in what you're worried about. You're going to be okay. Life is more than about the worry you have. You need to include the bigger picture. It's not the end. It may be a hiccup, but it's not the end. Here in Matthew 10, look what he says about birds. He says, not one sparrow... And he says, what do they cost? Two for a penny? He goes, not one of them can fall to the ground without, listen to this, without your father knowing it. The very heads, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't worry. You're more valuable to him than many sparrows. What's God saying here? He's saying, look, when you start to worry, stop for a second and look at a bigger picture. Look at the situation through my eyes. By the way, he isn't saying you don't have to do anything. He's not saying don't work. Birds work, okay? They just don't have tractors and, and equipment. They don't sow and, and harvest, he, but they do work, right? They do build a nest. They do migrate. You know, birds work. He's, he's not saying don't work. He's saying don't worry. And he, then he says you're more than a bird. To me, And when something happens to a bird, it isn't without me noticing. I know. And so what you're going through, I know too. I see it too. It, 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 isn't, it isn't something I overlook. I know what's going on. I know what's happening. I'm aware of it. And I care about what's happening to you. So take your mind off your worry a little bit and, and think about how I'm involved. And it'll help you. Look at, look at it. First Peter. Peter said this. He said, give all your worries to him because he cares for you. He goes, you know, when you're worried, include him. In fact, give them to him. I think the word uh, cast or give is dump it on him. Just unload it. Give it to the Lord. Because he's already there. He's already involved. 
In other words, he said, he's saying, shift your focus. Shift your focus off of your worry and shift it onto the Lord. Look at the bigger picture. Look at this. I, th I think this is a very interesting passage. This is Philippians, Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything, he says. Instead, pray about everything. There's a shift right there. He's saying shift that. Tell God what you need. And look at this. And thank Him for all He has done. In other words, He's already involved. He's already been involved. He's already working in what you're worried about. So thank Him while you're praying. If you do this, you will experience God's peace. That's a promise. If you do this, you'll experience more of God's peace. I found myself praying a lot while I lost my wallet. I wasn't listening to a lot of people, but I was praying. I kept praying, you know, Lord, if somebody needs that cash, and I've lost my billfold before, and someone took the cash, but they left everything else. And I, and I think, well, maybe God needed, they needed the money. That's fine with me. I just wanted my cards back. But I said, Lord, you know, if you could just make it possible, I could have this billfold back or find it or something, make this work. And I found myself having, I settled down. He says, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. It's far more wonderful than worrying. Far more than I can do anything with my head when I look to the Lord. He says, His peace, look at this, will guard your hearts and minds. He'll guard your emotions. He sets a guard there and guard my mind. Protects it as you live in Christ Jesus. So ask yourself, when you again, when you start to worry, is this really working? Is this profitable? Or is this unhealthy? And, and, and worrying, when I start to worry, am I focused too much on this particular thing that I don't really see God in this? In other words, is life about more than the thing I'm worrying about? And it is. Let's look at questions four and five. I've, I've, I've kind of grouped them together. And here's, here's the, I notice about question four and five. They're asking this, can I trust God to take care of me? When I start to worry, I just simply ask, God, is God going to take care of me? Can I trust that? Look how Jesus says it here in these next verses. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? And see, how, he goes, see how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now here's an interesting, these questions here don't sound, they, they got some comfort to them if you, you know, emphasize certain words. They do bring about some comfort here. But I think Jesus is confronting our faith in this with these two questions. He confronts the worrier's faith. Because see, that Jesus believes that the root of worry is unbelief. Notice he says, you know, don't you, do you think that God won't clothe you? You of little faith? You're worried because your faith is, you have little faith in this. Your faith isn't very large. E. Stanley Jones said this one time. He said, worry is atheism. What do you think? You agree with that? You think it's, you think that's a form of atheism? I mean, now think about it. When, when I'm worrying, am I trusting God? I mean, can I worry and trust at the same time? 
It's impossible. I, I can't worry and trust at the same time. I, I, I'm, I have to choose one or the other. And see, and, I, and when I worry, you know, um, when I worry, I'm basically saying, God doesn't care what's happening to me. God is incapable of taking care of me. And when I worry, I'm actually saying, I'm actually treating God as if he's not really even there, as if he doesn't exist when you stop and think about it. In fact, worry displays more faith in myself than in God. I don't know about you, but I've, I find this to be true many times. When I'm worried, I begin to take matters into my own hands instead of trusting the Lord's. And I, and I think to myself, how does that work out for me? It doesn't usually work out very well. Until I calm down and I say, Lord, I know you'll take care of me. I know life is bigger than a wallet, bigger than a car, bigger than clothes, bigger than a job. That life is much bigger than just my health or a particular worry that I'm, I'm struggling with. You see, Jesus is, has got a problem when we worry like this, okay? Um, when we start to think, when we start thinking like this, he says, look, uh, you need to look at flowers. And again, he points out birds, then he points out flowers. You're like, are you kidding me? Well, what do you see when you look at flowers? They're everywhere. Right now we got sunflowers in our garden. There's flowers along the road. Um, lots of flowers to see. He wants you to notice something. And he says that. Nobody planted them. Nobody watered them. How'd they get there? God's saying, I put them there. I take care of them. And I'll take care of you. You look at Solomon and all of his splendor, his glory, his power. Solomon had everything. Today, we'd say he has a jet. He has houses all over the place. He has lots of money. He has nothing to worry about. Yet you'll find that Solomon worried. Read the book of Ecclesiastes and you find Solomon struggle with anxiety. And, and God says, Solomon, with all the stuff he has, you can have everything like Solomon. A flower outdoes him, will outdo you. Why? Because I take care of that flower. I put that flower there. Nobody, no gardener touched it. No one planted it. No one watered it. I found a quote, again, from this book, Jesus is the Question. And um, the, uh, the author attributed to Martin Luther. I found Charles Spurgeon had said this back in a sermon back in the 1800s. But look what he says here. Lovely lilies, how you rebuke our foolish nervousness. When I was at Johnson shut-in, we were pulling out. Uh, after we went and stayed there uh, during the day, we're going back to our campsite. Denise points out, look at the butterfly flowers. And I go, where? There. Man, these things are beautiful. One of the things we noticed that back down there was there was lots of butterflies, big ones too. And here was this beautiful butterfly bush or butterfly plant, weed, I call it, sitting on the side of the road. And it's bright, bright orange. It's not, uh, it's almost pastelish. It's just so bright. And there's five, six of these big black butterflies on them. And I never, I didn't know, and I started, I started looking for them. And you, you'd see them every once in a while, and there was always butterflies on them. 
And I just wondered if I drove close enough with the windows down, if I could hear their rebuke. I just wonder, you know, Tim, why do you worry? Where's your faith? Hey, Tim, you want to know how we got here? God put us here. And He takes care of us. He takes care of me, Tim. It was a monster storm the night before. And there's that beautiful butterfly flowers right there along the rope. Look, I was untouched. You know, God got me through the storms, Tim. And when it's really hot, it was like 90 degrees. Gets me through that. And Tim, I will die in the winter. I can just hear this flower when I imagine this. I will die in the winter, but I'll be back in the spring. And Tim, you need to believe this when you worry. Is there a lesson here for you? It sure was for me. How the flowers, they rebuke my foolish nervousness when I worry. Because see, the flowers are telling you and I, God took care, takes care of me and He wants to take care of you. And God put me here for a reason and He put you where you are for a reason. You need to believe that God will take care of you, Tim. And most of all, when you die, because He's going to get you through all those storms and get you those, those times of drought, and He'll get you through the COVID. He'll get you through the unemployment. He'll get you through this, the distance, the anxiety, the changes. He'll get you through school. He'll get you through the struggle in your marriage. But most of all, when you die, He'll bring you back. You'll be back. Paul said this in Philippians 4, And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. I want you to know, whatever you're going through right now, and I don't know what you're... I'm going through stuff, so I'm assuming... I think it's a safe assumption. We're both going through stuff, right? We're going through stuff. God will take care of it. I'm choosing to believe that. I'm going to let these rhetorical questions not just comfort me, but challenge me and confront my lack of faith. And I hope you'll let them do the same for you. Now, at the close of this lesson, I want you to notice Jesus reveals the hinge pin for overcoming worry here in this passage. And He says it this way, put me first and I'll take care of you. Look what it says here. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that interesting? He says, each day has enough trouble. He says, but today, you can take care of that trouble today by simply putting your trust in me. Seek God's kingdom first. Put him first in your life. I want to encourage you this morning, you know, whatever you're going through, let these questions resonate. Let, ask yourself these questions like Jesus is asking them. And, and today, instead of worrying about the past or worrying about the future, today, decide to put Him first in your life. 
Let's pray. Father, uh, we're a bunch of worry warts. We need your compound W, your word to help us. Because God, I tell you, we worry about things we can't change. We worry about our past. We worry about things that we can't control that are in our future. And every day, Father, you see us get all worked up over all kinds of things. Father, I just think about because I won't pray, my worries stay. But I want to change that, Father. We want to change that. Would you help us with our faith? Help us stop trying to control everything and start surrendering control to you. You know, Father, I think about worry. I, I know some, someone who's watching or listening, some of us have good reason to worry because you're not our Lord. You're not our shepherd. Like David said, you know, because you're, you're his shepherd, he has nothing to worry about. And some of us really ought to be worried. And maybe we are. And I pray, Father, those listening that are worried about their relationship with you that go, you know, I know I'm not right with you, Lord. I know I need to change. I know I need to repent. I know I need to commit my life to you. Father, I pray that they'll do that today. Father, help us believe in your, that your ability is greater than our anxiety. Help us see this when we notice the birds in our backyards or the flowers along the road. Help us respond to their rebuke and trust you in whatever we're worried about. Father, help us live one day at a time and let it begin with today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.